Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plain, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. Hello, and welcome to episode 95, Redivivus. In this episode, we have What's on the Needles and Hooks, a review, tales from the hen house, and something I really like. I sponsor this show through my own hand-dyed business, Yarns from the Plain, the home of British yarns and fibres hand-dyed with love in the heart of the Cheshire Plain. So grab a drink, and whatever you're working on today, and pull up a pew. So, hello, I know, it's been a very long time, hasn't it? And if you heard my interview recently on Shiny Bees, you'll have been sitting there going, Nick, today is the 31st of March, you promised this at the beginning of March. I know. In mitigating circumstances, I will tell you this is the fourth attempt at recording this, just this month. I tried several times last year. It's terrible, isn't it? The first one was absolutely amazing. It was brilliant. Trouble was, I forgot to press the record button. I know. You just thought I'd remembered, wouldn't you? And then there was one with terrible sound problems. And then there was one where the phone cut out halfway through when I was recording. So, oh, it was all just a bit of a nightmare. But this is it. Episode 95 is happening. It is going up. Even if I have to stay up till goodness knows when tonight to get it up there. Because I have missed you. I have missed you so much. It's funny, isn't it? Now I'm working in the industry, you'd think that I'd have all the time in the world to chat away about all sorts of things. But actually, I spend a lot of my time on my own and poking around at the back end of a website and poking around in dye pots and rescaining yarn and listening to lots of music and watching some good drama whilst I do the rescaining that's quite brainless stuff. But not as much talking about yarn as I thought I would. Not about as much talking about knitting. And nowhere near as much knitting as I used to do. don't know whether that's because by the time I get to the end of the day, I've just flopped and I don't want to do anything. Or whether it's because I have rediscovered the joy of reading. But uh, whatever. I'm not doing as much. And I miss you. I miss it. And I miss talking about it. And I miss the interaction. So, this is it. Here we go. Starting again. I'm not going to go as far as saying I'm going to have a schedule, you know, because that's for really organised, controlled, excellent people like Mrs. Shiny Bees and Miss Scully over at Knit British. And, you know, I love those girls. They're just wonderful. But I'm not really like that. But I think you know that, don't you? You know, my style's always been a bit come and sit down on the sofa, plonk yourself down dunk your rich tea in your coffee and you know because hey who puts rich tea in tea who dunks tea in tea anyway it's horrible but you know it's been a bit more casual over here at yarns on the plane and that really isn't going to change there are things i want to talk about and plans that i have but it's still pretty much casual over here so i have about 14 months worth of things to catch up on but 
anyone who's had a little look over at my Ravelry page will see that actually there's not been a great deal of activity in that 14 months. So I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow account of all of the finished items because there aren't that many and I'll bound to forget one. Um, So I'm just going to pick up as if I haven't not spoken to you for 14 months and we're just going to sort of start on with what's on the the needles and the hooks at the moment i have this very morning just cast on or well halfway through casting on um a brand new project and it's not in my own yarn which is quite exciting because i really haven't done very much that's not been in my own yarn for a long time and i haven't done much that's not been work knitting or crochet for a long time I've either been working on samples for kits which I'll talk about in a little bit in a minute or samples for the stand to show the yarn or tension squares for things so this is just a complete recreational knitting project it's Pond Street by Alison Morton Um, it's part of the landmark collection that's been published to use um, Titus and I think um dovestone dk the new um dk yarn by by bar ram U. now i have heard so much about this but i really haven't had a great deal of opportunity to go and squish and go and look at the colors um but i did i'm going to talk about that a little bit later on um today but i saw um the sample for this and it's a very simple shallow crescent shaped scarf with a chevron pattern and it's done in garter stitch now you know me you know me and garter stitch and the stripes i love it it's got two um, chevron stripes in it that are eight rows deep and they're done in the original pattern Um, it's a dark blue and then um, one of the stripes is rhubarb which is a a brilliant sort of fuchsia color can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head Um, but it contrasts quite nicely and you know it's nice even striping of course me being me I'm not doing two colours of stripes uh, because each colour uses two mini skeins so I thought rather than use two colours I would use four because I couldn't choose so I'm going to make narrower stripes and um, I'm using four colours I'm using a my my main bit is quite a pale grey actually that's not really my normally my base colour, you know me, I normally go for the charcoals and the darker colours, but this is um, a really nice grey that is called, I had it before, where's it, Uh, crucible, so that's the colour, so, and it's made out of um, the Titus, which is the lovely four-ply yarn that Baram U have had made up uh, for them, it's 50% 50% Wensdale Longwall, 20% Blueface Leicester, and 30% UK Alpaca. So it's got a nice sort of little halo-y fuzz to it. It's got softness and luster from the Blueface Leicester and the Wensdale, and it's just really, really nice. So it's a sort of a pale grey for my base colour, and then my four accent colours in the chevron stripes are in coal, which is a dark charcoal colour, parkin, which is ginger colour, um, rhubarb, which is this fuchsia pink, and Ecop, I think, is the, the last one, which I'm not sure what that is, whether it's the place or um, 
I know all the colour names are linked to Yorkshire and the Yorkshire heritage. So they're either foods or they're um, products or they're places. So um, I haven't done my research very well. I haven't looked it up, but I'm really looking forward to it. it. I'm currently casting on halfway through. It is a long tail cast on of 398 stitches. You know that that's just not going to work very well, don't you? So I actually found, as I was winding the ball um, this morning, I found a knot where it had been joined together. So I actually undid the knot and just wound it into two balls. And I've tied an overhand knot with the an end from each ball. And that's where I'm starting my long tail cast from on from. So there is absolutely no chance that I'm going to run out at 385 stitches instead of 398 as I do this long tail cast on. It's really interesting. It starts at the bottom, so that's why it has so many stitches, and then comes up and and decreases. So it looks quite an interesting construction. I've read it through. Um, can't quite visualise the construction at the moment. I think you work on each sort of triangular part separately. So I'm looking forward to how that goes. I think it might be one of these ones that it will make sense as I do it, without it actually in my hands. I can't quite visualise how it's going to work, but um, I'm quite interested by the construction and I'm really interested by it I'm surprised I went when I went and created the the page on Ravelry there are no one else has has done any projects in it so I'm really surprised because it actually looks a gorgeous very wearable very shallow long crescent shaped shawl and I don't quite know why um it's not been done but but there we are so I don't have any pictures for it yet because cast on's not even complete so the picture in the show notes is literally the yarn (laughs) but never mind um I'm sure you'll forgive me at least it means I'll have something to talk about for the next few episodes anyway. Um, I'm currently also working on a crochet project. Um, if you listened to the interview that I did earlier this month on um, Shiny Bees, you will have heard me mention um, the work that I'm doing with uh, Valerie Bracegirdle, my friend, agrarian artisan. She is a crochet designer who goes to, uh, much more regularly, I should say, to the knit groups that, um, or one of the, a couple of the knit groups that I bob into every now and again and we've been collaborating on putting some crochet kits together I've got some new yarns new weights of yarns and uh, new yarns to, to the shop and she's rewritten some of her patterns to suit um, the yarn weights and so I'm currently working on a sample for that it uses 15 different colours quite bright colours of Stanley Sock now Stanley Sock is a new weight of my Stanley Falkland Merino that I've not put into the shop yet. It is a true four-ply weight in the fact that it's 400 metres per 100 gram skein. So the existing, or what was last year termed as Stanley four-ply, I have renamed as Stanley Sport because it is a bit more of a sport weight. It's got 333 metres per 100 grams. And this is the Stanley Sock which is 400 metres per 100 grams. And like I say, I've dyed up 15 shades. Most of them are brand new, not all of them. And I'm currently working up um, a sample for a scarf called Sigrun. So it's a very simple crochet motif. Um, Each motif uses two colours and I'm doing them completely randomly. So I literally stick my hand in the bag, pull them out at random and then see what happens and hope that it's not too close to uh, another colour that's on the edge. So I'm about a fifth of the way through that, I think. No, more than that, quarter of the way through. So um, 
it didn't take too long to do it, but I haven't done anything on it for a little while, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to finish that off quite soon. In the weaving shed, I've actually got nothing on the looms at the moment. Um, I should have. I should be sampling for the fourth college project, which is assessed at the beginning of May. But I haven't had a chance to look at any warp yarns, um, or any yarns for the project, actually. So I've had to take a punt on um, buying some online and hoping that the colours are sort of going to match my artwork. So I'm waiting for that to arrive. So I haven't actually got anything to to, to sort of talk about on in the weaving set. Um, college is going well. It's The last project was a long time. Um, it was the best part of six months, really. And so it was, it was almost, well, seven months. It was almost too long a time. I, I worked really well and paced everything else really well before Christmas, but then had to tidy the house up for Christmas because mum and dad were coming up and tidying the house involved putting everything that was messy in the rest of the house into the room where the loom was. Yeah, you know, this is where this is going, don't you? It's just, so it took me a while to excavate the loom. Um, so I did run that last project very close uh, and I mean very very close I never pulled an all-nighter when I was doing my first degree and I never pulled an all-nighter when I was doing my teaching qualification I pulled virtually an all-nighter um the night before the assessment just awful why did I do this I'd sort of got everything all planned out but then I had a problem with the loom and uh, a technical problem and it threw me back somewhat um but uh, there we are so hopefully in the next episode I'll be able to sort of tell you what I'm doing um, on that it's double weave I can tell you that um, which means that I'll be weaving two layers of fabric at the same time so it's not a technique I've done before so quite exciting and in parts completely terrifying but never mind so on to the review well, last night I had a little nitty social gathering. It was absolutely wonderful. I went along to the launch night of um, the Bar Ramu products being stocked at Knitwise in Ormskirk. Now, it's a small little shop, but it's a, a very lovely little shop. And I know Kathy, who works there, she was, uh, she hand dyed. Um, I think she was possibly the very first hand-dyed yarn I bought back in 2007 um, when she was selling as Lazy Kate. And um, we've sort of kept in touch throughout the, the time and she's come and sold her hand-spun at our Guild Friendship Day and they now currently stock um, some of my fibres. And she invited me um, uh, through the Facebook to their launch night and so I went along and it was absolutely brilliant I didn't know quite what to expect I know from when we've had nights at, at Fibre and Clay that they could be rather squished and you know uh, much as you'd love a great crowd it's quite difficult to get one in a yarn shop but they got around that by actually having it in tea rooms which has got a really nice big function space uh, tea rooms called O'Brien's on Park Road in Ormskirk and Verity from Bar Ramu had come over and they'd got a lot of the Titus, the four ply, um, which is the one that I'm using for my Pond Street. But they'd also got samples of the Dovestone DK, which is their new DK weight yarn. And they were taking orders for that. And that's lovely. That's got uh, brown masham in it. And it's really, really nice um, depth of colour to it because it's a, a natural coloured yarn um, that's then dyed over. 
and it, it was really nice. And uh, Myra, the shop owner, had bought a few other things that were new lines as well. And it was uh, it was great. There were must have been about fifty people there. It was really really good, packed out. So it's lovely to see that. I was really, really impressed um, that, you know, I don't know how far people had come from, but I know certainly there were people who had come sort of from Southport Way because there were other yarn shop owners that, that had gone along as well. And it was really nice. So Verity um, talked to us a bit about the background to um, the Titus. And it's very much a story after my own heart. They were looking at um, wanting really to, to use... Um, British wool and when they were going around trying to find some they found much as I did when I was looking for things that there wasn't a perceived market for it so people were telling them that, that, that no you know British wool wasn't really good for anything apart from carpets and you couldn't really knit with it and it didn't make a nice um, hand-knitted product and why would you want to be using British yarn when you could be using merino and all those kinds of things and they weren't prepared to sort of put up with that, really. So they did a lot of research into Yorkshire breeds. And that's hence why uh, the Wensleydale uh, features so prominently in the Titus, because it is obviously a Yorkshire breed, a lovely um, long wool breed. And they set about getting this yarn spun. It's spun in Yorkshire. It's dyed in Yorkshire. And of course, Baram U is set up around um, Leeds Way. So it's very much a what I would call a heritage product. And it's really, really nice. But they've done a lot of work with the colours to make sure that they all have what I would call sort of um, similar tone and value. So it doesn't really matter which two you pick up. They all tend to work with each other which is really nice. Um, you don't always find that um, with some solid yarns when you're trying to, to pick them. It's sometimes difficult to get everything to work together. There'll be one that just sort of sticks out and looks awkward, but they've they've done really well with this. So it was really nice to to see them and to squish them and to see all the samples. They'd bought a lot of samples from um, the Landmark collection and the mini accessories collection the mini knits collection so the landmark collection is a collection of, of accessories and garments each inspired by a particular yorkshire landmark so the ribble cardigan which is inspired can't speak today by um the ribble head viaduct we've got pond street which is inspired by the railway station at sheffield there's a, a pattern for a cushion I think that's inspired by Park Hall which is a very colourful block of fat, flats out Sheffield Way um, that interestingly enough somebody on my college course is using for their inspiration for um, Project 4 there you go so you know lots of, of different things they're using um, both the Dovestone DK and the Titus and there was some it's just really really nice lovely colours and really nice really nice garments i'm, I'm re really impressed with them um it was it was a really nice evening there was sort of buffet i was a little late um so i didn't get the the drink at the start because there was oh so many roadworks on the m6 and then just outside um ormskirk just before i turned into the road but it was just really nice to get in there um see kathy again have a chat uh met a listener hello jude here you go you see i don't think she thought i was going to remember who she was 
and say hello to her. But there you go. She got, she got, she got a shout out. She actually bless her. She asked me for a selfie. You know, we just think I'm really not. Honestly, I'm not that. I'm not that well known. I haven't podcasted for months. So, um, but it was lovely to to meet Jude, and um, we bonded over a common interest, which I'm going to mention in the something I really like section. But it was a really nice evening, and it's a, it's been a long time since I've gone to a nitty event of an evening. Um, now that fibre and clay's gone, there isn't really anywhere that that I can go and do those of an evening so it was really nice it was a bit of a trek out um, for me because of the timing I'd mistimed how long it would take me to get there but it was just it was really nice um, and I really really enjoyed it so I'd just like to say sort of thanks to Kathy for um, sending me the invite on Facebook and thanks to Myra for putting it together it was really good <laughs> Tales from the hen house. Yes, the chickens are still with us. Although, to be fair, the husband is continually threatening to go out with a packet of Paxo because egg production is down. We went amazingly um, through the second half of 2014 and through January last year. And then in February last year, uh, Ziva, that's the the black uh, hen, uh, went a bit broody and... So she kept sitting on the nest and we have to kept, you know, throwing her off and shutting the hen house down so that she couldn't get back in. And it was all a bit traumatic. Um, and in, ever since then, I think we've had one day where we've had three eggs in over a year. And we've had two days, including Easter, Easter Sunday, would you believe? Talk about taking the mick, uh, where we've had no eggs at all. Now, I can't be 100% sure that's not because somebody's eating them, because somebody definitely is. Um, there are definite signs of eggs being eaten, whether they are, uh, and they're not just soft-shelled eggs that are laid by somebody who's having a bit of a, a shell production problem. There are definitely um, some egg saboteuring going on here, a bit of egg sabotage, but they are alive and well and are currently um, pecking around the garden, They've done a fantastic job this winter on rotivating the veg beds for me. So I have not had to weed the veg beds at all. I've not had to cover them with carpet or black sacking to keep the weeds down. The girls have just rotivated them for me beautifully. Of course, that means that when I do actually get around to planting the veg and I have to put the chicken wire fences around it again, they're not going to be very happy. I think you'll find that there's going to be quite a bit of sulking going on. Um, because they do view the the veg beds at the moment as their personal playground um, but you know never mind you can't have everything and uh, I'm determined to get a better show of parsnips than I did last year four parsnips that was it the entire parsnip crop four terrible but never mind um, but you know they are you know they're doing well they have wrecked the lawn and he despairs I, I don't to be honest, I don't quite know what he thought he was going to get. You know, chickens in a small garden. It was never going to end well for the lawn, was it, really? Um, but, you know, they're just too much fun to, to uh, you know, fret about the lawn, in my personal opinion. Because there is nothing funnier than lobbing grapes out the back door and watching the chickens run for them up and down the garden. It is hilarious. But they are well, and... Uh, if they could speak, I'm sure they would say hello to you. 
So, on to something I really like. Now, if you listen to the Knitmore Girls, then you will just be smacking your head at me and thinking I am so behind the times. I am, but only partly because I haven't podcasted for a long while. Um, although part of it is. Just, there's something I really like this time is... Um, it goes partly to explain why there was an awful lot of radio silence in the second half of last year. Um, I mentioned that I'd and not an awful lot of knitting. I mentioned that I'd rediscovered reading. I used to read an awful lot um, before I went into teaching. And then that sort of killed it even before I started the knitting. And then once I'd sort of picked up the yarn and was knitting in, in the evenings whilst I was watching telly, I really wasn't reading an awful lot. And last year I kept um, hearing Jasmine on the Knitwell Girls mention Outlander, this programme that was on, and it was it's based on this series of books that she really liked. And I didn't really think anything of it, um, but it was there and I kept hearing it, I kept hearing it. And then I, I, I'd, I'd fallen a bit behind and I caught up with an awful lot of them. Um, and she just was mentioning it all the time because they were doing a, a knit-along linked with it. Um, whilst they were waiting for the second half of the first season of the TV show to air um, at the beginning of April last year. And at the same time, um, Louise on Caithness Craft Collective had also uh, mentioned it because she was making some project bags linked in with somebody's, uh, with, with a, a club, I think it was. I can't remember whose it was. It's, I'm terrible. I really haven't researched this very well. But it was mentioned all the time and I quite like historical drama um, so I thought I would have a hunt around and see if I could find out where it is well I didn't actually I hadn't really sort of thought about anything but I just happened to notice when I went on to Amazon Prime that it was showing on there so I thought oh, I'd, I'd watch it so I watched the first episode and it, yeah, it was, I thought it was quite an interesting sort of premise anything to do with you know time travel I always find quite intriguing and uh, historical drama, you know, men in kilts, what's not to like? Um, the following week, I watched the next episode. Uh, and then I watched, um, I think this was sort of towards the end of April, and then I watched the third episode. The fourth episode, I was sort of half watching whilst I was winding skeins, ready for um, going to the Caithness Craft Collective Retreat last May up in John O'Groats. And I'm afraid to say I did, didn't pay a great deal of attention to it. And then drove up to Caithness via Dundee. So going from Dundee to um, John O'Groats did involve going through um, the Cairngorms, which is just so wonderful on the A9, having a lovely time. And I spent the journeys there and back catching up on a lot of podcasts. Again, it was mentioned over and over again. And I thought, well, I know a bit now. I know a bit about this because I've, I've, you know, watched some of these. But on the drive back, it, I just thought, you know, I really do need to perhaps watch, you know, go back and watch that episode again. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because I'd just literally come through Scotland and, and the Highlands and just really enjoying it. But I watched that fourth episode again and the story really gripped me. And as I'm afraid to say, over the following week, I pretty much uh, watched all of the rest of the episodes. But because by then the um, finale, season finale had been and gone. And all 16 episodes were up on Amazon. And I was absolutely gripped. 
And I couldn't work out quite why I was gripped so much. I love historical drama. Um, and I think part of it was because I didn't know the story. Normally, I read, uh, I watch historical drama and it's a period drama on the television and it's a story I'm familiar with. Even if I haven't read it, I know the outline of the story. So I know the outline of most Dickens stories. Um, even if I've only read Great Expectations, I know the outline of all of Jane Austen's, even though I've only read some of them once. Um, others like Persuasion and Pride and Prejudice I've read over and over and over again. But I would, I knew what was going to happen, so I would enjoy it. But there was nothing that would come out of the blue to surprise me. And I think part of the reason that I really, really, really enjoyed Outlander was that I didn't know what was going to happen. And I found it absolutely gripping. And a, a really interesting story because it wasn't like a lot of other dramas you know it was quite nice and refreshing to see it the the kind of strong female character um as the lead as the the main protagonist and you know I was I was really intrigued so I watched it and then had at the same time discovered that one of the the people that I've worked with at college who is fast becoming a really 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 close friend that the the tv series was actually based on her favorite books so i thought right i'll go out and find the book and uh, i went and found the the book in the uk it was actually published as cross stitch um, the first book not as outlander and gobbled it up and found that actually i enjoyed the book even more than i enjoyed the tv series and i enjoyed the tv series a lot but there was as is always the case there was a lot more depth in in the the book that you can't necess by necessity get in the adaptation of any tv series it was one even one where you know 16 hour episodes are, are taken to to put the story together i then sort of deliberated because i knew they were filming the second uh, series was i going to hold out to read not read the second book because one of the reasons i'd enjoyed it so much was that i didn't know what was going to happen and that resolve, I think, lasted for about three days. And then I thought, no, I can't. The characters were so alive in my head and so strong that I really, really, really wanted to find out what happened to them after that first book. So I'm afraid to say I pretty much gobbled my way through. Um, the books are based, um, the, the, the books were written by um, an American author called um, Diana Gabaldon and they get progressively thicker. So um, Cross Stitch, my copy of Cross Stitch, you know, it's a it's a standard size novel, you know, slightly on the chunky side, but not huge. By the time you get into the seventh and the eighth ones, they are kind of looking like War and Peace. They're really, really thick. You know, you don't want to drop one of these things on your toe. It's going to hurt. And so I have to say that pretty much the second half of last year was spent... Uh, reading all of those books through twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and some shorter books that she's written that have got some minor characters in. Um, the Lord John books, I read all of those as well. And the little novellas just became completely consumed in the whole world of Outlander. And uh, I've absolutely loved it. And I, I can't quite understand how... I've never stumbled across 
this book and no one's ever said to me before, oh, you know, you've got to read this book. It's really good. It was written in, you know, first published in um, the States in 1990, for heaven's sake. We're talking about 25 years. This book's 25 years old. Um, and now I keep stumbling across people who've said, oh, you know, that's my favourite book. Or, oh, I really enjoyed those books. But no one had kind of recommended them to me. And it was just really, really interesting. They were just sort of a completely unknown thing that I just not come across. So I have to say, it's sort of been a really interesting, really interesting journey that did significantly eat into my uh, knitting time and then left me bereft at the end of it because it took me a long time after I'd finished reading them through the second time to be able to read anything written by anybody else <laughs> because everything else that I read seemed really, really badly written after these the characters were a bit flat the dialogue was clunky the description was below par you know it was just really really it was a hard act to follow it was quite so it took a long time to be able to to read anything else and it, it wasn't really until just before christmas that I started sort of picking up some other things quite sort of um surprised by the effect that these books have had on me um they've had uh, you know other effects as well on things that are uh, currently happening in my life which sounds terribly mysterious it's not really um but uh jude knows what they are because <laughs> we were talking about them last night um the, the reason that um that we actually ended up talking was uh, partly because of um something that's that's spun out from the outlander series um but i i I'm going to leave that for something I really like another time. But it, I just wanted to say that if you do enjoy reads that are full of depth, full of description, full of very vivid characters that are not caricatures. If you think about Dickens, Dickens writes a lot of vivid characters. Well, vivid male characters. His female characters are fairly one-dimensional. Um, but his male characters are fairly vivid. But they can often strain to caricature. Diana Gabaldon's characters don't. But they are very real and very vivid. And, um, you know, if you enjoy that at all, then I would strongly recommend that, that you see if you can get hold of um, a copy of these books from your library. And just clear some time and sit and and read them because they are just a complete and utter joy and they are a series of books that defy classification and I love things that do that and I love things that turn the expected norms on their heads which um which the the first book definitely does with a number of things that you wouldn't expect um so that's my something I really like Outlander where has it been all my life? So that's about it for today. I'd just like to say thanks for listening. Uh, music is, as always, Rondo Polska by Barry Phillips from the album Trad, which is available from Magnatune. And uh, I'd just like to say thanks again for coming back and listening. And if you are a new listener, then I promise I'm not going to go and disappear again for another 14 months okay so until next time take care
Bye. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plain. Show notes and links can be found on the podcast page at yarnsfromtheplain.co.uk. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there, on the Ravelry group, where I'm Tales from the Plain, or on the Yarns from the Plain Facebook page. You can email me at yarnsfromtheplain at googlemail.com. You can also find me on Instagram as Yarns from the Plain and Twitter as Yarns from Plain. Until next time, take care. <laughs>